0: Moments That Matter. Moments That Matter.
1: Moments That Matter.
0: Welcome to this latest edition of the Moments That Matter podcast series. I'm your host, Darren Clear, and today we're going to be talking to Kate Cliff, And Kate runs her own meditation teaching service on the South Coast of New South Wales. And while we certainly touch on some of the meditation practices that she both coaches and uses for herself, we also cover her fascinating story, which covers her career in the legal industry and more specifically, a life-changing event that Kate went through a number of years ago that directly led to her involvement in meditation and in turn allowed her to view her own life through a different lens and commit to living her life with purpose. Which is something that we touch on across the course of this conversation, and is something that Kate lives in her own life day to day and passes on to her meditation students, and hopefully will pass on to you as well today as you listen to a story. So, with all that said, let's get to the podcast now, and I hope you enjoy this conversation today with Kate Cliff. So, Kate, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to get you to start by just giving me a bit of a rundown of your career to date and both sort of pre and post sort of the life-changing moment that you've had, which will obviously come out in your story. But if you sort of give give me the brief rundown of the Kate Cliff story to date.
1: Yeah, I studied law and I was really passionate about, you know, I think when you're young, you study law because you want to change the world and uh, I certainly wanted to do that. And I, I, wanted to help children and protect children and I thought I would be a children's magistrate and I spent some time with legal aid and realized pretty quickly that I could sort of hold it together there but you know I was going home at night crying you know at the sort of things were happening and realizing that you know that takes a certain type of person to do that kind of work and so fairly quickly realized that you know I was quite sensitive and that that wasn't going to be my career path and I went and worked in-house for the University of Wollongong as a lawyer for them Um, again I was sort of it was a great role because I had a lot of responsibility across all different avenues of law but I was feeling this desire that I'd gone into law to help people and make a difference and and I wasn't quite you know feeling that I was getting that from that position and my brother I was talking to him about it he's like you know but you help the uni and the uni helps students and you know students go and change the world and I was like Thank you. But that's a little bit far removed from, you know, from what I see my role here being. And, you know, in the back of my head was wanting, always wanting to go and work for the UN. So the advice was that you, you know, I grew up in a small town on the South coast of New South Wales and the, I went to Wollongong Uni. I ended up working for Wollongong Uni. Um, and the advice was, you know, you go, you go to Sydney and you go and work for you know a large firm and you get really good training and you go and, you know, open doors for yourself. And so, That was the next step Um, moving up to Sydney. I got a position with a a fairly top mid-tier firm and pretty soon afterwards, I was spending three days a week being mentored by the UN delegate for the rights of people with disabilities. And he was the first blind Dean of um, Sydney law school um, and he was absolutely incredible and I was a sponge Um, and so yeah everything was kind of heading in that direction. He'd spoken to me about you know that it was time to do my PhD, time to you know uh, that was how I was going to get into working with the UN and I was very open to the idea of doing more study despite having spent seven years at uni already having done um, a double degree in postgraduate further legal studies so that I could be admitted to the High Court of Australia, uh, Supreme Court of Australia, sorry. And yeah, but I wasn't, there wasn't sort of, I guess I'd watched both of my brothers do their PhDs and there wasn't a particular kind of avenue or aspect of the law that I felt, you know, I was ready to spend three more years dedicating my life to uh, study, I guess. But I was definitely, you know, that was on the cards but I was also feeling, you know, a deep sense of discontent and I was spending a lot of time asking, you know, people what it meant to be happy and in asking my brothers and looking around in the law firm that I was working at, you know, that I could see kind of 10 years of my life kind of flash by. And I had said to my other mentor, you know, I'm, I'm happy three days a week when I'm you know when I'm working with Ron and he just said to me that is not enough and you know that that's a pretty big moment looking back um, to to be given that advice and so I was really you know I guess searching I wasn't sure what was missing but I definitely you know having moved from a small town to you know Sydney and um, you know a smaller work environment to quite a large one yeah there was a lot of Overwhelmed probably for me and unhappiness. And then, yeah, like you said, I I was hit by a car. I was a pedestrian on a pedestrian crossing and I woke up one morning and obeyed all of the rules of the world and taxi came around a corner at 60 Ks and wiped me out. So I was hit through my right side, thrown onto the bonnet through my front. Um, and he wasn't stopping. Um, So I was, you know, I was conscious for the whole thing. I was screaming for him to stop. And when he finally did, the onlookers said that I was just a rag doll through the air. They thought that, you know, that was it for me. And I had a big, beautiful handbag and it landed and my head landed on it like a pillow. So very thankful to be here, but I had damage to my spine, um, damage to my brain, um, really severe post-traumatic stress disorder. And I spent about three and a half months on my back in a neck brace, not knowing what my life would look like and in excruciating pain and I was I was young, <laughs> I was young, and the head psychologists of the pain management unit were telling me I needed to let go of my hopes and my dreams, and that wasn't going to be my life. And yeah, I you know I was doing everything and anything out there possible and available. My whole identity was a lawyer, so you know, and I was pretty one-dimensional at that point. You know, that kind of environment does often require that of you and so it was my whole world it was everything you know what was I if I wasn't a lawyer and yeah so I was throwing you know I was managing my rehabilitation like I would a legal brief you know who are the top professionals in every industry and let's get them on my team and yeah I was doing anything and everything kind of possible and available with my eyes set on getting back to normal life, getting back to this life that I invested so much time and effort and energy into and how much of myself I had devoted. And it is often devotion, um, Mm. you know, to that and goal oriented, evidence-based lawyer that was, I was, you know, psychologist, psychiatrist, acupuncture, massage. You know, anything and everything, Cairo that was available, neurologists, neurosurgeons, and, you know, the pain was excruciating. 13 months later, I was being told I'd have a lifetime of surgeries to my spinal cord and be in a lifetime of pain, you know, by two of Sydney's top neurosurgeons. And I had the head of my rehab team telling me, you need to learn to meditate. <laughs> and it seemed like, you know, we were at, you know, completely opposite ends of the spectrum there. But I was at a point where painkillers were doing internal damage to my body. Um, I was barely able to sleep or eat, you know, probably two hours of sleep a night. And, you know, that in and of itself is is torture. And I went and I learned a technique of meditation called Vedic meditation, figuring I had nothing left to lose and everything to gain. And, yeah, it was pain relief unlike anything I had experienced. And very quickly, I was starting to see myself come out of that fight or flight mode and be able to sleep and, you know, then the body can rest and repair and recover and noticing very, very tangible changes in, in my mind and in my body, in the outside world, not just while I was meditating so you know that was really a game changer for me Mm. Um, my goal was always to be back in law Um, you know that was what i was striving for it was everything to me but you know i had spent all this time in in pain management clinics and rehabilitation centers with people you know in worse positions than me in more pain than me um, you know, I was back working in the legal industry and looking around and looking at these other lawyers, you know, just like me, who, you know, potentially, you know, had they not been hit by a car, you know, wouldn't come to adding something like meditation into their lives. And you know, I had often, I guess, fantasized about leaving Sydney and and coming back to the South Coast and you know being relaxed and happy again and The real evidence to me was I was still in Sydney. I was, you know, still working in that professional environment. And there was this little thing that I was doing 20 minutes twice a day that was just completely changing my life. And, you know, I was still going to those rehabilitation centers and pain management clinics and you know, the staff in there and the clients in there, everyone was looking at me and going, what is going, you know, what's going on with this person when they've seen you, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, you know, either regress or not be able to progress. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this dramatic kind of changes and shifting going on. I just, you know, they were watching me in awe. I'm I'm telling them all about it, but no one was, was learning. And, um, you know, I just really wanted that for everybody else. And, um, you know, I was talking to my teacher and he said, well, they want to learn from you. And, you know, being a meditation teacher (laughs) was never on the cards. That was never a part of the, you know, the career path. But yeah, you know, that drive to help people and make a difference. I, I looked around in the legal industry and thought there's plenty of great lawyers doing great things you know, maybe this is how I can contribute in that really meaningful way that I'd been looking for. And so I spent a year studying and graduated in India. And I've been teaching people to meditate for the last eight years.
0: So what is it about Vedic meditation that would help someone in your situation deal with the pain management? side of things
1: there obviously is you know different techniques of of mindfulness and there's apps and, and those sorts of things and i tried a whole heap of different techniques and they're contemplative techniques so we're on the level of the intellect we're thinking about you know relaxing our little finger or we're thinking about a beach scene or you know a Uh, that sort of thing Vedic meditation is a 5,000 year old practice that originated in India that's been passed down from one teacher to the next in an unbroken lineage with this technique you get given a mantra which is a sound without meaning that's charming to your mind if it had meaning would stay on that intellectual level of the mind and what your mantra allows your mind to do is to drop quickly into that inner quiet still state of the mind so it's like being given your set of car keys so you've got your car keys they work for your car i've got my car keys they work for my car i have no idea how engines and all of that sort of thing work but i've got my keys i put them in the ignition i turn that the whole thing starts to go so this is what i learned to be able to do is to pass on the correct sound to the correct person to deliver that experience to them so the mind very quickly moves from that top busy active thinking planning projecting level down towards some inner quietness and inner stillness in the first 30 seconds of sitting and closing the eyes the body's biochemistry shifts from adrenaline and cortisol all of that fight or flight biochemistry and that's connected in with pain to serotonin and dopamine which is that blissful feel-good biochemistry so body can't rest repair recover if it's in that fight or flight mode in six to ten weeks the amygdala which is at the back of the brain it literally starts to shrink and this is what we're seeing on MRI imaging and that's the part of the brain that produces that fight or flight biochemistry. So that part of the brain is shrinking and the body is staying in that stay and play state that blissful, will feel good, you know, biochemistry. So the body is being flooded with serotonin, dopamine, you know, and it's, it's getting an opportunity to do that inner repair work.
0: And are you, where are you now in terms of your pain management? Like, are you still living with pain? Uh, as they predicted or have you sort of moved past that in your recovery phase
1: uh, so i've actually just um finished uh, 50 straight days of surfing um so i was raising money for um surf aid in indonesia uh, i'm doing things no one ever thought that i would be possible for me to be doing i haven't had a panadol in the last nine years yeah it's i i'm not living with pain i'm you know been you know Prior to the world being locked down, I'd been doing sort of you know 20 kilometer hikes through Hawaii, surfing for a month through Sri Lanka. You know, I've come a very long way from those days of lying on my back, not being able to feel my legs, and not knowing you know what my life would look like. And when I was in so much pain, I would close my eyes, and what I would see was myself surfing. And you know, there was an inner knowing and a inner I think fire lit that. You know i wasn't okay with what they were saying was going to be the outcome for my life i never had a surgery <laughs> i'm living but, a pretty active thriving life
0: well why do you think it is that this hasn't been mainstream? like there's it's not mainstream practice to get people to go and try things like, like meditation as, as part of their you know whether it's a mental health regime or whether it's uh, someone recovering from a traumatic incident like you have physically uh, and mentally no doubt I mean why do you think it is that, that this sort of stuff is just not part of mainstream treatment options that people uh, are presented with
1: well excitingly I think it is becoming more and more so so I am having currently um, referrals from psychiatrists and, you know, one particular client comes in mind that has almost an identical story, you know, in a lot of ways to mine. When she's come through the head of her rehab, you know, I think we are heading more and more in this direction. And I think it is really, really exciting. But, you know, also these stories need to be told. People need to know that there is these options out there. And I think for me, I was open to it, but I just had absolutely no idea how powerful it would be. And I think there is a difference between, so I had done, my psychologist was guiding me through some, you know, mindfulness techniques and, you know, I'd been to uh, you know, a yoga studio and, and focus my attention on a candle and things like that. You know, there is a, there's a difference between techniques available and 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 outcomes, I think. And and that's why I'm so passionate and why I teach uh, what I teach, because I had tried different techniques of, of mindfulness and meditation and, and they hadn't had the impact um uh, that, that Vedic meditation had on my life. And and so over the last eight years, you know, I have seen person after person after person after person have this transformative experience. And so they're then out in the community their specialists are seeing them you know it, 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 it there is a ripple out effect happening but we've also got to we've got to want to change right and so I can teach people how to meditate I can't meditate for them twice a day every day And you know, that's where you see the shifts and the changes. So there is that, yeah, wanting to take responsibility for our own lives as well. And absolutely the education of specialists out there that there are things that are really powerful and that you know we can work in tandem together it doesn't have to be one or the other you know and i think a lot of great medical professionals have gone into their industries because they want to help people and make a difference and so we're all you know we're all on the same team we can all you know sit together and work beautifully together you know providing both levels of care
0: i mean i sense at times there's a little bit of pessimism within Uh, the medical industry when they're giving people news and and, and talking to people about their recovery phase. I'm not sure if that's just anecdotal from what I've heard from other people or not, but I think sometimes there's not a they're not given the range of the holistic sort of treatments available and certainly meditation would be one of those uh and and the advice i'd have to people on meditation because i was similar to yourself i used to do a little bit of mindfulness and some meditation myself but you've really got to get the proper teaching i think to, to get the right routine that works for you uh that you can do and then it's something that i do i try and do once a day and i sort of say to people think about it As a lot of people go to the gym once a day or multiple times a week for their physical health i think you know meditation is your mental health workout in many respects and in your case it had some physical health impacts as well
1: absolutely and i think you know that's what people aren't realizing that that it is about you know doing that that hygiene work for your mind but actually physically for your body as well because we are living very outward models of life out, out 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 and when we sit down and we meditate you know with Vedic meditation it's 20 minutes twice a day the 20 minutes is the equivalent of three to four hours of rest five times deeper than the deepest point of sleep so what that's allowing the body to do is rest, reca- repair, recover, process stresses that are, are locked. You know, we physically lock stress down inside of our body. So it's as much as, you know, your physical health as it is for your, for your mental health as well. And there's lots of great things that we can do for our physical health, you know, surfing, going to the gym, you know, all of those, going bushwalking, but they also exert a, a, a fair amount of energy as well. And so, you know, if we think about our laptop, our mobile phones, you know, we've got to charge those up every day. And, you know, we've really forgotten the art of doing that with the mind and with the body. And lots of people, you know, they're not getting good quality rest, you know, lots of people with the level of demands, on them these days you know we're going to bed and we're exhausted and the mind starts racing or we're waking up at three or four in the morning mind's going and that's an indication that the mind and body you know like a haystack the level of stress is building inside of the mind and body and you know we're not taking it out at a greater rate than what we're putting it in so meditation is you know, is about going inwards first to then be able to sustainably go outwards. And I think we think about it as, you know, doing less, um, but actually it's about being able to do more, you know, physically, mm. mentally, you know, with clarity, with creativity, with energy and joyfulness, bringing that aspect of self to the world. But um, coming back to what you were first mentioning about, you know, medical industry being pessimistic I am working with a client at the moment who you know had a physical and sexual assault at work and it's been very debilitated by that there was a brain injury and she'd been told you know that she'd never work again and You know she's just had a review with her with one of her brain doctors and he you know the scans and everything he's just blown away he's like i've never seen anybody's brain connect to meditation like this this is absolutely incredible her outcomes it's been just the most incredible thing to be a part of and to watch And yet in the next breath he said to her "Um, you won't ever work more than part-time and you know all of this (laughs) sort of thing and so it's almost like you know it's like you know this guy that sees her for half an hour once every three or four months kind of thing you know can't believe his eyes and yet you know we're gonna stick with this pessimistic kind of view of um you know of what's going on and you know it's really fascinating and i think like law a lot of you know medicine is that evidence-based <laughs> you know and, it, and it's like okay i said to her okay well let's give him some more evidence then you know get motivated mm. um you know let's see what can happen let's see what's possible because he hasn't seen it before doesn't mean that it's not real and that it's not something that can happen for his other clients as well you know well i wonder
0: patients. why it is i mean i wonder if it is is it that i mean we're probably getting a little bit off track here but i mean (laughs) is it is it because you know they're worried that if if i say something positive and that doesn't happen then you'll come back to me and have i'll have a complaint or something i'm just i'm not quite i'm trying to i guess get the get the motivations behind this pessimism and and why i keep hearing stories of people because the constant stories you hear of people that overcame whatever the doctor said And you wonder always, well, why did the doctor say you would never do this again or get used to doing this and this and this when you actually can push through those barriers, given the right sort of methods of treatment?
1: Yeah. And, you know, for me, I was 26 being told, you know, I wasn't going to be able to go to festivals and be a lawyer and do all of these things that I, you know, that was my life. And so it makes it really hard when you're doing all of this physical and mental rehabilitation. It's already hard to get up and face another day of your life. And, you know, that's really, makes it really super hard kind of to, to do that when you're told, Kate, you need to let go of your hopes and your dreams. That's not going to be your life. And for me, it really lit a fire under me to say, you know, I'm not working with the right person. You know, this person's off my team. I don't need that kind of, you know, pessimism that's not assisting me. And actually I'm prepared right now to go out and, you know, work with absolutely everyone and everything out there, you know, that shows that, that this is possible. So for me, it was a driver. I don't think that the motivation of it though, I think it's about, yeah, managing expectations. Uh, yeah from that kind of professional not professional negligence but you know you know the term I'm sort of trying to get Mm. a duty of care kind of that you know she was saying to me we needed to start working on me letting go of the life that you know I thought that I was going to have and it pushed me it pushed me in another direction and I can see that with my client as well but I could see how it could push you in the other in a totally different direction where Mm. you go this is helpless and be very demotivating
0: I mean I don't think you want to give people false hope but you also don't want to shut doors and and have people accept their their sort of situation and, and not seek different remedies potentially I mean I think from meditation's point of view we're only really scratching the surface of what the brain can do and and sort of having dipped my toe into this in the last year or so, the more and more I'm hearing and and the wider the the study gets on this. I mean, I'm I'm reading things about people learning languages in their sleep and things like this now that you know you just would not have thought was possible. And it sounds unreal until you actually dig into the science behind it and actually see what's happening with, with some of these meditative practices.
1: Oh, the mind and body are absolutely incredible. And you know, the practice I teach has been around for five thousand years like it's it's just that science has been around for this shorter period of time and we're living in an age where we want things to be scientifically shown back to us and the cool thing is that right now that's what's starting to happen is we're seeing science you know show us um the the really physical benefits of of what's possible when we meditate and stuff like that and anecdotal evidence of Um, people's experience you know it's just becoming uh, more and more uh, mainstream and and talked about it's less one of those things that was sort of airy fairy and for hippies and um, you know for other people sort of thing Um, you know when you look now most of the people at the you know tops of many industries are out there saying you know my secret weapon is that I start my day by meditating every day
0: well and i mean going back to the your, your sort of story and there was a lot to unpack obviously there from that point of view and i noticed that at the start you sort of said you had a great job within the legal industry but it wasn't satisfying you i mean do you look back and i mean you and i are very similar in a sense because i grew up in the south coast of new south wales i got a law degree i went to sydney and worked sort of adjacent to the legal industry and had a few opportunities to dip my toe in that water. And it was honestly the most toxic work environment I've ever encountered all through my years was was the little bit of um, the legal industry that I went into. Uh, Do you feel like there's a, I guess, what's viewed as a good job within the legal industry is not necessarily what, what should be viewed as a good job, if that makes sense. I mean, because I, I think that it's difficult to connect in in many ways to the work that you're doing within that industry, particularly when it's all about sort of, you know, charging clients and making sure that your hours are, are up and all that sort of stuff. It's it's very difficult, I think, within that industry to connect to the end goal of, of what the legal industry is trying to do.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, I guess, there's you know that external kind of so you know on paper I should have been happy you know uh, you're working for a firm with a with a great reputation and you know all of those sorts of things Um, and I guess it comes down to you know what society says you know is success and what you individually say is success yeah, there's definitely the aspect of, you know, the billable hour and the pressure of, of all of that sort of thing. But there was parts of my job, like I said, that I was really loving. I was working with the UN Delegate for People with Rights and Disabilities and we were preparing education programs for a lot of the big companies throughout Australia on harassment, sexual harassment and bullying in the workplace. So there was lots of, you know, that aspect of the work that i felt like i was contributing and that was meaningful and that was collaborative but i think there there is aspects that really aren't collaborative and and working very much individually and also just getting to that environment and realizing i had absolutely no skill set to manage the pressure i was under um so if you think about you know, most people's journey to that point, you know, you've studied really, really hard at school to get into, get the grades to get into a good uni. Then at uni, you're studying really, really hard at uni to get the grades, to get into, you know, what's perceived again as a, as a reputable firm. And then you're in a firm and you're just working really, really hard to then become associate, senior associate partner. And nowhere, you know, along the way did I have a set to, to manage the stress and tension and fatigue of, of that environment. So, you know, and that there's no finish line, you know, it's not a mark anymore. It's a real life outcome for somebody. Um, and I spent a lot of time in court as well. So yeah, you know, not having learned, I think at an early age, I think, you know, to become a lawyer, you're often becoming very tunnel vision and one dimensional from a, from a young age. And I think what meditation gave me was the ability to become multidimensional. So when you're getting that deep rest by doing your meditation twice a day, then you're resting well at night and then you're waking up naturally in the morning, ready to go. It did mean I had a life outside of work, which meant that, you know, it could be a walk by the beach with a friend or, you know, something like that, or the energy to do something after work. And so I think those environments can be quite isolating. and. I think when you're exhausted it becomes kind of self-perpetuating and you know that the hours that you're putting in can mean that you know it's sometimes not possible to have a partner or see much of your partner or your friends and those sorts of things so work kind of becomes you're living and breathing it in a lot of cases and you know that type of person your colleagues are then the same type of person as you so it's not necessarily that there's this great kind of support and collaboration and and a lot of the work is kind of done quite individually and yeah and I think that can be very challenging and and definitely for me you know there was people at uni that just loved studying the law and you know it wasn't until i was studying to be a meditation teacher that i realized what it felt like when you live and breathe and love and you know really want to know more about something that i i realized what it was like for those people and so there's going to be people that you know uh, are going to thrive as lawyers and, and in those environments and then there's going to be people who maybe you know life is showing them that there's you know a different direction or a different way of participating in that industry and I think we're starting to see some shifts at the leadership level because you know that's where it needs to come from from top level management and direct reporting lines Um, You can have policies and things in place, but you're not having the opportunity to actually access them. So, you know, there can be meditation programs or meditation rooms or, you know, yoga at lunchtime or whatever. But the reality is that sometimes the amount of pressure and deadlines and all of those sorts of things mean that those things aren't accessible. Um, But if you've got leadership that is saying our whole team is, you know, this is what we're going to do or, um, you know, this is how we do this. And then everyone feels you know okay about being able to you know access more of those things
0: i mean i think there's definitely a shift and uh, obviously there, there's been a, a quite a large number of burnout or large percentage of burnout within the legal industry so i think that's sort of part of what's driving the shift but i also understand the difficulties for that industry in a sense because a lot of the people as you've touched on the way that that industry operates and the way that they work that's the way they like to operate and that's the way they like to work and i think they probably can't see and maybe don't even want to do it do it any other way than what they do it so it's kind of it is difficult to try and get the balance i guess from people that would be very good lawyers but probably needed to operate in a different way than the people that just say well this is the way we've always done it i like to do it this way and i don't really see a problem so i think there's a bit of a balancing act there within the legal industry uh, as to how they they need to manage that
1: I think that, um, yeah, there's been this great circuit breaker, right? So there's all these lawyers right now who've never had an opportunity to work from home, work remotely, that, you know, because it has always been done a certain way, need to be in the office, need to be seen, need to be in there for this many hours. All of a sudden, there's all these people who, you know, Are able to work from home, able to live, you know, hours away from their workplace, able to live a different lifestyle, able to drop their kids off at daycare or go for a walk, you know, in the morning rather than commuting. And I think it's a real game changer for the industry. I think what they've seen is actually, you know, everybody is really capable of, you know, working outside of the office and Um, it'll be really interesting I think you know having a day or two or three being able to work from home really is so beneficial to a lot of lawyers who've never had that kind of we talk about work-life balance (laughs) um, but who actually you know if they take out their you know it, it takes about you know, it's at least an hour to two hours to commute anywhere to Sydney, even if you're living nearby. So you just take that out and immediately you're seeing people out on bikes, out walking, you know, doing a yoga class or, or what I'm finding, which is people using that time to, okay, I wanna skill up, I wanna learn to meditate, and then I'm gonna add that into my day. It's really giving back hours of life to people and helping them to become multi-dimensional. And, like I said, there's just a lot of lawyers who've never had that experience because of the way, from a very, very young age, from say 16, that we've been trained and we've been trained year after year to become less and less multidimensional, more and more one dimensional. So, all of a sudden, you know, people who've never been able to, you know, pick their kids up from preschool or had the energy to cook dinner or be home in time and, you know, that sort of thing are having these. Connective experiences with families and friends and with themselves. And I, it just adds to their vitality, which just adds to their quality of life and then their quality of work. You know, that only makes sense, right? That if you're you know, happy, healthy, energised, that that's going to then, you know, show out in your workload. And it's been, you know, it's such a great joy for me when the feedback is, you know, Kate, I've just written the best legal advice I have ever written in my life. And it just flowed so quickly and so easily, you know, mm. um, you know, people adding practices in where they're getting some of that brain fog and fatigue and, out of their system i think we've been given a great gift right now which is that the legal industry who are probably going to um (laughs) you know we're never going to make changes because it was like you know this is the way we've always done it like you said they've been forced into making some shifts and changes and now there's going to be some lawyers who go you know if they are being asked to be back in the office five days a week they're going to look at other options because there are companies that are open to flexibility now and 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 people have had a little taste of what that feels like that may have never had that taste before we just go well this is life and I've got a mortgage and I've studied all these years and this is a good job and so I just you know sit here and grind it out and now people are you know they've sort of had their blinkers taken off it's like oh there's There's, you know, other options and other ways of being. And I think it's a really great that the legal industry has been forced (laughs) to move in this direction
0: well it's changing that you touched on it's changing that c and seen mentality yeah yeah. you need to be in the office and i need to make sure i'm seen by the manager or or i see someone else during the day and they're also seeing the other thing you touched on the quality of work is still there and in some ways it's better by taking some of your life back i mean when i worked with the lawyers i worked with their idea of work-life balance was taking the weekend off a month to pay their bills you know, and, and just sort of touch base with their life again before they threw themselves into the next project or whatever they were going to do. So it's it's really interesting to see if that translates now. And I think it almost has to because they've sort of seen the light and see there is another way of doing it. And the way that we do, we've do we done it for the last 50 years or whatever it is, is not the only way uh, that, that we can operate within the legal industry. So I think that's a great point that you raise about how things can change. I want to bring you back. You, you said, and I sort of, in, in reading a little bit about your story, you said that after the meditation helped your recovery, one of the things that you realised was that you wanted your life's work to be shaped around helping others. And, and like myself, you went into the legal industry with an idealistic uh, sort of expectation uh, of what you'd be doing. And you sort of, you certainly reached further into that area than I did in my short career but was it the meditation itself you think that helped you to come to that realization or was it the actual near-death experience and and sort of the the time you had to think about your life from the accident was a little bit of both that sort of brought you to that realization that you really wanted to have your life shaped around helping others
1: you know after the accident really i was just in tunnel vision about getting my life back to normal getting back you know to working as a lawyer i was that was you know that was everything that i was thinking about and it it was yeah when i learnt to meditate and my experience of life was changing so deeply that i was looking around and seeing the others that you know i'd been in the trenches with i'd i'd struggled side by side with them day after day And all of a sudden my life was shifting and changing and and theirs wasn't, you know, looking around at them and going, I want, I want this for, for them too. I want this for everybody around me and, and being back in that legal profession and looking at, you know, looking around at lawyers, you know, really in need as well, just like me and going, I could see how 10 years of my life could past and being in their position had I not learned to meditate it was those experiences but had I not been meditating I wouldn't have had the solid grounding within myself to sort of take those steps forward into you know a new career path it was definitely you know what was anchoring me deeply within myself every day of knowing this is what I want to use my time here doing. Mm. And I got back from India and got back to the South coast and went right. So I'm going to teach people how to meditate. And back on the South coast eight years ago, that was a big concept. And I ran a course, so you learn in four sessions, um, and you can do that over a weekend or over four consecutive sessions. And I ran a course in Berry two days after I got back and, and taught two people down there. And then I ran a course in Paddington and was working with a lawyer who'd been in a car accident up there. So by the end of the week, I'd taught three people how to meditate. And I felt like I had achieved more in the space of that week than I had in my whole lifetime. Mm. And I was like, if this is my time to go, I'd be happy with that being my contribution. And obviously since then I've taught many, many, many people since that time. Meditation, I think is that connecting deeply within yourself every day and then that provided me with the courage to have the clarity to step into
0: Mm.
1: where I felt I I really needed to be and although I was asking questions before the accident about you know was it possible to love your job was I being naive you know was it that I didn't have a loving male relationship in my life at the time and I was looking for work to fulfill that you know I was asking lots of questions but i didn't know what i was passionate about what i wanted to study like I, none of that would have been clear to me back then that you know i needed i'm so grateful for that accident i don't wish it upon anybody else but it it really changed the course of my whole entire life i'm i'm so thankful that happened to me it it led me to learning this technique and then you know to studying that and and living a very fulfilling life but i had to go through that to figure out where you know where my passion did lie if it wasn't in law um then what was it and and i think that accident was the big circuit breaker for me of the unknown and i think you know there's many parallels right now with the world you know that we've been living in that there's you know there's it's a big circuit breaker for people like when you're so busy barely keeping your head above the you know head afloat you know with the level of demand on you you don't have all this free time to kind of i guess contemplate what else you might be putting all of your energy into You know what your passions are and you know I think a lot of people have been given you know that opportunity right now where there's changes and shifts and everything is different to uh, you know to have that the unknown can be a really great thing and it does take uh, some courage to to step out and step into you know what we really want to be doing I know I, I got back from India and I ran into my old boss from the uni, and she knew what I was doing, and her eyes just lit up, and she said, "You know, I always wanted to be a yoga teacher, <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that you know, unless we take these steps and go and do it, you know, it is just going to be that that unfulfilled dream within ourselves, you know, and and there's, you know, it can be a scary thing to step out into that unknown, step out into something new." but what's the alternative you know i i'm i'm living this life where yeah i just you know i get to thrive i get to show other people how to thrive in in their lives as well it's it's incredible
0: well i mean the key word i think you used there was clarity i mean and that's what i find with my meditation It just provides you with clarity of thinking and you can really see it's a great problem solving technique you know above so many other things because it allows you to sort of say what's holding me back you know even if you look at it from a macro point of view within your life what's holding me back and and what do i need to add to my life or take away from my life you know or, or from a time management point of view even you know what what things am i doing that i don't necessarily need to be doing and things like that that's how i sort of find it that clarifies my thoughts as to how I should organize my time and organize my day. But how do you sort of find, I mean, you said straight away when you were helping people, you saw the the results. What sort of results are you talking about? I mean, what sort of, how have you seen your meditation teaching help others?
1: Yeah, like you say, clarity is a huge one. So, you know, whether that's just, you know, sitting down to pump out a piece of work and just feeling like there's, you know, so much, yeah, clear thinking available, yeah um having more energy and um, so you know that is self-perpetuating them because then we start you know we've got more healthy habits that we're adding into our life we are walking or running or you know going for a bike ride those sorts of things you know physically feeling well so those people who would have every sniffle and tummy bug and everything you know going around you know the immune system starts to strengthen that's really you know, really impactful for people but having more patience as well, especially, um, you know, with children and colleagues and, and those sorts of things, you know, that's really a game changer for people. I think ultimately being multidimensional is, you know, is what, what we're, what we've been talking about as well. So feeling like the meditation is providing deep rest and deep stress release then sleeping well at night, then having more energy and clarity in first thing in the, in the morning. So then adding some other things into their day, like an ocean swim and that sort of thing, you know, really feeling like, yeah, they're getting on top of their internal haystack. And so then we're able to take on more. So stress, tension and fatigue builds and we sort of go, oh, I don't want to go for that promotion Oh, i hope they don't ask me to do oranges for netball on the weekend and no we don't want to go to the barbecue we just want to lie in the lounge and watch netflix and so yeah starting to expand and going oh maybe i will study masters and yeah you know we can help the neighbors move on the weekend and you know having more high-grade self available, you know, to take out to the world. So, yeah, spending that time going inwards and just moving from, you know, survive to thrive, which is what meditation gave me. You know, there's lots of people out there who feel like they're barely surviving their life. Mm-hmm. Um, we're wishing away, you know, half the week. It's Monday. We just want it to be Friday, you know, and we're barely sort of getting getting through the motions of all of the demands of modern day life. And so yeah, adding in a tool where they're getting that sort of 6 to 8 hours rest equivalent before they go to bed at night and yeah, feeling like in, in all ways they they're heading towards thriving and living. I think, you know, we think about meditation just being this kind of time that you enjoy with your eyes closed, but it's a preparatory practice, you know, we we go inwards in order to launch Outwards and be able to enjoy more of everything that life has to offer.
0: So, final question I've had to you, and the, the hour seems to have flown by, Kate, okay, that the time we had, but I, I often sort of say to people look, it, it's great to want to help others but you've really got to start with self-care. And I think you've come across a way of really helping others and and doing your self-care within the one sort of practice. I mean, do you sort of feel that as well? I mean, how much satisfaction do you get out of helping others? And how important is the sort of self-care to what you're doing at, at the moment as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't give to others if we haven't given to ourselves first. If we've got nothing to give, we can have every great intention um, but we just don't have it to give, and so yeah, you know, it, it's it's my own personal practice is fundamental to my life. I go that way first, so that then I can go outwards and that I can, you know, give to others. And and I'm, you know, teaching people of all spectrums, all variety of needs. But you know, there are people who are in their panic attacks and assaults and, you know, all sorts of, you know, high uh, high anxiety experiences and, um, you know, that require a lot of me. And so, you know, it is about, yeah, you know, uh, what that accident taught me was, was, you know, the first thing I needed to do was to look after myself, to figure out my health first and then I could go and you know use that knowledge to go and go and help others but yeah you know we really we need to gear ourselves up and I think that's what the world is telling us more and more you know now that you know we need to figure out what it what it those things look like for us individually first and so then you know from that place yeah we can give to family and friends and, and jobs and um but yeah definitely having having a career that's very fulfilling and that you wake up and you look forward to engaging with you know it, it is incredible
0: so kate how can people find out more about uh, about about your meditation practices and and what you provide
1: Yeah, I'm on uh, my website is www.katecliffmeditation.com.au. I'm on Instagram as Kate Cliff Meditation and on Facebook um, as well. Um, And they can also join me via Zoom for a free introductory talk if they'd like to um, learn more about what I teach. Um, All the information about those is on the website as well.
0: there you have it i'd like to thank kate again for her time today and hopefully you do take the time to go and visit kate's website and find out a little bit more about her services because as i touched on within the podcast we're really committed at balance to life towards mainstreaming meditation services and as part of that it is beneficial to get the proper coaching and that's why we've featured a number of meditation practitioners if you like in recent podcast series. And hopefully Kate's story has resonated with you here today. So thank you again for joining us today. And I look forward to bringing another engaging moments that matter conversation to you very soon.